0: Welcome to another live recording of Linking the Travel Industry Podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. We absolutely welcome audience participation. After all, we are here to link the industry. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discussed today, please raise your hand and we'll try and get you on stage if time permits. So with that out of the way, my name is Rian and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we make it our mission to elevate the service ability of travel management companies through the effective use of data.
1: And I am Anne, and I'm a consultant in the travel and airline industry, happy to help you with anything related to retailing, one-order NDC, and distribution. And I also work as an instructor with both IATA and AeroClass.
2: All right. Uh, happy Memorial Day, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in business travel in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the Vice President at Traxo, and this is Linking the 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 travel industry.
0: indeed our happy Memorial Day and I know it's a holiday almost everywhere else but um, again we have a good audience today and we thank you for joining us and giving us your time even on the public holiday the format of this discussion involves around a post I do on a Friday where we've gathered relevant travel industry stories on LinkedIn and then we discuss them a bit more in detail here I'm delighted that in one of my stories which I saw posted by Carolyn uh, Pearson she uh, mentioned a story which she's going to talk to us about it for a minute Uh, she could join us today so Carolyn welcome to linking the travel industry thank you for joining us do you mind just giving us a quick background about yourself and then just tell us uh, this about the story that you posted
3: yeah, good morning, good afternoon, everybody. And again, happy Memorial Day. And thank you, Ryan for inviting me along today. It's a pleasure to join you. Um, I'm the founder and chief exec of Maiden Voyage. We specialise in inclusive travel safety. So basically delivering travel safety training, e-learning, films and documentaries to organisations who send their employees overseas or even on domestic travel. Um, so, yeah, Rianne, I think a story that really sort of popped out at me, uh, I was tagged, actually, uh, by a couple of people on Twitter. It sort of blew up. I think it was last Wednesday, whereby a lady, Helen May, found herself, I guess, in the eye of a perfect storm. She had been to um, something in London. She had had a bag. Uh, Was a briefcase or laptop bag stolen. Um, She had missed a train um, and then took a taxi to one of the Hilton hotels over in Paddington. She was told that there was a room available. She went to check in. She was about to make a payment and the hotel asked for ID and she didn't have ID with her as far as I can tell. And at at a certain point, she was, I guess, apprehended by three, at least three security men working at the hotel. Um, I think the situation escalated. They, um, She took a video, which she shared widely on, on social media, on Twitter, it's on my LinkedIn, and whereby the three men sort of surrounded her almost with a pack mentality. And, and it was just a really horrible, appalling and upsetting thing to watch. Because actually, you know, the, the behavior of the men was, was misogynistic, there was an inference that she could have been a sex worker. Why else was a woman out alone by herself late at night? They then changed the story to say that there was no rooms available at the hotel. And the woman um, also, you know, suffers from anxiety. She described herself as neurodiverse and therefore was very distressed by what was happening and one of the men actually said you know that there are other other hotels within 2 minutes away and literally threw the lady out onto the street which was just horrific and um and I shared that because obviously I guess I sort of class myself as one of the antis of the industry whereby, you know, it's my job or I see it as my job or my role to shine a light on, you know, where things have gone wrong in in business travel and normal travel with regards to diversity, equity and inclusion. And I just felt that, you know, maybe had this been um, a male guest, it might have been different, but irrespective from a, you know, from a humanity perspective, what I witnessed on the video was just really deeply
1: upsetting. Mm -hmm. I was going to say thank you so much for sharing that, Carolyn. I, I, this really deeply upset me too. I was so uncomfortable watching this and can't believe that this kind of behaviour uh, is, is, is ongoing and sort of, you know, London really shocks you. Uh, and, and I also think that it's good that it goes viral. It needs to go viral. The, the more we we do do that I think the more more powerful it it, it can get it's it, it really was you know so shocking I agree with you I wonder if it had been a, a male customer uh and I just really wonder about have have Hilton sort of they, they haven't commented or responded responded in any way have they
3: um so I was following a little bit on Twitter um when when this sort of kicked off. And I think there was some sort of unsatisfactory interactions with Hilton. And I think from what I understand, they firstly then publicly accused her of not having the funds to pay for the room, which also, again, just completely added insult to injury. When I looked at the the video on Twitter last week, there, there have been 2.7 million views. Um, so it, it has gone absolutely viral. Um, and that, I have not looked at it since, but also, So obviously, it's been shared on LinkedIn and and possibly the platforms, but it's also been in the press as well. This is the actions of one person or three people, actually. The way that they were behaving, I would say that that's not the first time that they've they've behaved in, in that manner, no. they, you know, they didn't understand that you just don't, you know, you, you don't circulate like like a pack animals, a, a guest, or no. throw them out on the street in the middle of the night. I mean, you know, London already has got a bit of an epidemic of violence against women and girls anyway. And you mm. just wonder: uh, do these guys have, you know, wives, sisters, daughters, um, nieces, yeah. female colleagues that they would do that to? And, you know, it was just
0: beyond belief, really. Concurrent, that kind of leads mm-hmm. to my question. What, in your view, should they have done better from a sort of training perspective? Is there something that Hilton does on that front? It did, shouldn't they have some sort of process for that, some sort of checkbox? or Because it seems to have just left it up to the discretion of one or two blokes at the security side, Right.
3: So I don't know if the security guys were employed by Hilton or if they were by a third-party security company. And, of course, we've also got the issue that Hilton maybe have a franchise model and, you know, maybe – The franchisees have to agree or, or I guess, comply with certain standards. And, you know, I can't think for a moment that this was a standard that was set. So I I think something's gone wrong anyway with the training of the the guys who were on security. Um, Certainly, there's a cultural issue. I don't know if that extends to all Hilton hotels, but it certainly was an issue in that particular hotel. Other people would have seen it, the front desk Staff would have seen it. I, w- I would have thought, you know, somebody could have stepped in. But, you know, if, if somebody arrives at your hotel in the middle of the night and they're clearly distressed and they've had their bag stolen, sit down with them, offer them a cup of tea, try and solve the yeah. solution, look for a solution rather than, you know, escalate the, the problem for the person.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I don't believe for a second that the the hotel was 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 fully booked and I really don't understand why it's a problem To just give her a room using their credit card, yeah, and try to solve it in the morning, right? Uh, Absolutely. I wonder if they kind of if, if they understand what kind of brand damage this has has done.
3: When I look, when I looked on, you know, just on the posts that I'd shared and, and what I saw on LinkedIn. So I'm sorry, on Twitter I saw a number of people saying that they were cancelling their reservations. People were taking wow. Hilton off their corporate travel programs. Um, people were cancelling their Hilton wow. Honors. We work with a um, TRM provider in Australia and they responded and said that they were had immediately cancelled bookings with Hilton as a result of this. There's been some challenges on LinkedIn around, you know, you are sort of, you know, bashing a hotel or the people who work there. But that's the world that we live in now, that if you do something, um, the media, the technology allows people to record Um, the behavior it can go viral and I think because it's such an emotive thing that happened you know it has gone viral and and it will be a wake-up call hopefully to the brand um, and and particularly to that hotel and the the three individuals are famous now for all the wrong reasons.
0: Not good for Hilton overall absolutely and um, we just hope that um, Helen's coping and doing well Um, and I I see that she saw that I posted about this but Karen from your side thank you for bringing the story to our attention and uh, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about it.
3: My pleasure thank you.
0: I want to go back to my first story in my post, which was a really nice interview that I saw that was done with Michael O'Leary on a U.S. talk show, or news show. It was really worth watching. Um, there are some classic Michael O'Leary sentences in there. The short of it is, he was just being interviewed about all the sort of plans that they have, and one of the things he mentioned in there, which really caught my eye, was the fact that he um, talked about three major airlines that will be left, being Air France-KLM, Lufthansa, and of course, he threw in a cheeky and the, the one good guy, the Irish carrier Ryanair so really nice interview there was some other stuff that he said which I'll come to but um and what did you make of that interview with Michael?
1: Excellent I mean I've, I've heard him mention this before in, in an interview with Eurocontrol
0: did you say They asked him, "How did he get to?" I don't know where the interview was—New York or Chicago or wherever. And he said he flew to United, and he paid yes, yes. five thousand dollars. for he flew the United
1: place. and paid five thousand dollars. <laughs> right. I really, I really enjoyed that. Oh. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of information on the Boeing aircraft, which I, I assume that Ash is going to comment. I, I think he's you know right in the assumption that we will be left with three big uh, alliances in Europe. Yes. Um, there were, there is a need for consolidation. I think it's unfair when you compare the consolidation in, in the US to Europe, because the problem in Europe is that we do have borders and different different countries, right? So so we have that problematic situation of protecting our infrastructure. I mean, how do you protect that you're going to have aviation within that country? But he's absolutely right when it comes to uh, just look at the the information about Portugal, which was staggering, yeah. with um, 10 million people in Portugal, right? And they've subsidized TAP with 3 billion so far. so. It's just not sustainable, and I think you have to sort of find some kind of model in, in Europe, right? do.
0: If you remember how upset Pedro Castro was about that, right? That was for him of a sort of state capture almost.
1: Same story with so many other airlines, right? Um, and this whole sort of state subsidy issue. Um, and and also, I mean, I think we're coming we're coming back to, to the Lufthansa Eater thing, right? <laughs> so uh, in case you're wondering which story we're talking about, this
0: was posted by Daniel Stecher. Um, if you don't follow him, you should. Um, he's, he's posted quite a few stories, but it's just a clip of an interview that Michael Leary did on, uh, on the US show. Wait, you joined us. Um, yeah. Thank you. Did you have a comment on the story?
4: I looked up the entire video. I really like the direct question from Steve Ryan so he was like, you know, hey, you guys are keeping to the capacity low, so you can keep raising the prices. I think Michael was able to answer it to quite an extent, uh, showcasing a lot of industry problems. So NDC is the last thing that all airlines could agree on. But everybody, every airline CEO who's making profit now is talking the same language. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's quite debatable.
0: No, absolutely. And isn't it interesting that NDC wasn't mentioned at all? In that
1: time, it? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be in the context of Ryanair. There is absolutely no need. I also want to point out that Daniel Stesha, if you don't follow him, please do. He is also the co-founder, together with me, of, of a group on LinkedIn called Ladies Beyond Flying. So if you want to support women in working in aviation, good group to join and it's free of charge. Ash, did you see that interview with Michael?
2: I did. I think that they should do a reality show with this guy because he has a lot of uh, funny comments to make and he's totally uh, charismatic. I never knew that TAP stood for tiny airline in Portugal. That was a, a revelation for me when I watched that.
0: One of the other interesting yeah. things that came out of it is that they obviously hedged their fuel prices and they, they've lost uh, because they hedged a bit higher. But as he pointed out, at least it was in their cash flow and they could work on it. And he was just quite blase about it. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, right? A couple of billion dollars mm-hmm. that I lost there, but it was absolutely flying. My next one, which kind of relates to it, is rumours about a new UK-based airline that might start by the end of the year to fly global airlines. Is that what it's going to be called? I'm not so sure. Well, the reason why I say it's relating is that towards the end of that clip, Michael O'Leary was saying the transatlantic competition between airlines is wide open, but it's not his focus. He's focused on the growth in Europe, and he says he wishes somebody would sort that out. So there is a brand new airline coming, uh, apparently, out of the UK.
1: Did you pick up on that, Anne? Mm, there's quite a few players already. JetBlue, Norse, Play. I, I mean, there's just sort of low-cost space.
2: Yeah, this airline has no marketing. Somebody put together this name Global. I mean, that's not even a real airline name. They're not going to last.
0: They're not going to last. So. No.
2: <laughs> you have personalities in travel. This is like some sort of a accountant put an airline name together. Yes. Like, it's not even appropriate. I mean, how, you're not flying Global. You're just flying transatlantic initially, right? I mean, <laughs> you're not going to go Global from day one.
0: Speaking of things which didn't last, that vote that was voted in France, banning short haul flights uh, two years ago, came into effect. So now you can't fly short haul in France anymore if there is an alternative rail option available. That came into effect. Actually, you're going to have to get on those trains in France,
2: right? So what are they saying? That no one can fly at all? Like it's just done now? It's banned, yes. So anything less than two and a half hours, you can no longer fly, period.
0: If there is an alternative alternative rail connection, there must be a rail connection to it.
2: So does it have to be a nonstop rail connection or can be a connection rail connection?
0: uh, it could take you three weeks to get there. It's still fine.
2: You cannot fly two and a half hours or less if you can take a train, however long uh, it takes.
1: I bet you can fly a private jet, right?
2: (laughs) Yes, of course you can.
1: Of course you can. It's not a
0: long sighted policy this one because what about all the efforts to reduce the the carbon footprint of flying? What about potential electric, you know, flights on those short haul flights? So it's just all it's all banned.
2: I have to say though that the drive from Paris to Lyon is a really nice drive. I say forget the rail, hit the road with the car.
0: Staying in Europe, let's talk about Asha's favorite deal. He's absolutely in love with this deal. He can't stop talking about it. And this is the news that Lufthansa's investment in IT Airways is finally going ahead. I believe it's initially a sub 40% and then it's going to increase at some point once they've lost all their marbles trying to work together in the same room. So, Ash, um good news, right?
2: All right. So it's almost final. It was almost final. It could be almost final. Call me when it's done. I want to see like when the check is written and the transaction has completed, then we'll talk about it.
0: Yes. And when ITA always introduces those eight different business class seats, right, Anne?
1: Uh, How long are we going to talk about this? (laughs) Can they please just buy 100% of it all? And and just can somebody just buy 100% of it all and try to do something?
0: I'm going to introduce something new, guys. I do want to say, again, thank you to those joining us today. It's really nice to see familiar faces and people joining us regularly and giving us your time. That is absolutely fantastic. But we are here to link the industry. We still we'd introduce a regular session called the link of the week. And this week, our link is Andy. Andy Kearns from Rebel. So I have been working with Andy on LinkedIn for quite some time. So his uh, company, Ravel, uh, is really worth reading about. Ravel is a social network for business travelers, which enables members to connect with one another in person whilst they're away on, uh, on work trips. It's a really fantastic initiative, really focused on corporate travel as well, I would imagine. And so, Andy, we just want to say thank you for joining us so regularly. And for those uh, in the audience, if you're not connected to Andy, please make sure that you are and that you follow his company, Ravel. So that is our link of the week. Okay, then my final story from last week, which I had on my list, was about American Airlines and Alaska Airlines. They're taking their partnership to a sort of next level with a very nice interactive uh, ability on the two airline apps. So you can do things like, for instance, check in on the Alaska Airline app, even if you're flying American, and so on. And there's a further development happening there. So very interesting development there. Very nice. Obviously quite consumer focused. And I'm sure this is right up your alley, right? You like this sort of stuff.
1: Oh, I love the sort of fun stuff. Anything that is consumer friendly and I saw one of the comments on that post though is that it would be great to just have one app or you know, just reduce the number of apps. And and of course I, I hope we will be getting there in, in future. But definitely, yes, the right step in the right direction. I, I really like so much of what Alaska is doing or what their ambitions are. And of course with American as well. So kudos to both of them. Than- Ash, I'm sure you like the story as well, right?
2: I think this might be the first in the industry. I don't know any other two airlines who have actually integrated their check-in process with each other. And is there any other such airline combination that you know of?
0: Within one world, you know, I know that can work.
2: I mean, they always punch you out to a different app, right? They never like keep you in the same app.
1: I was kept on the same app between American and Blue when I traveled in the States oh, last year. Well, yeah, Lately. but that's uh, that's
2: going to be, that's over though. <laughs> that's I think. finished.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> over. Yeah, that relationship is over. But. This is something that I really think that Star Alliance should do better. I I had endless problems last week at Heathrow, but that's another story. I mean, I would really like for to just use my Star Alliance app for everything. I don't want a separate Lufthansa I mean, app or a separate yeah, Navy Airlines app. Yeah, I know I'm not
0: I'm not frequently uh very complimentary about British Airways, but I have to say within the One World Alliance, this sort of partner integration and stuff works quite well. So um, there's at least that. Sorry, Mahit, what was your comment?
4: Yeah, actually this is not the industry first. I think something similar was attempted uh, before and it was united back in two thousand seventeen you know, only on the boarding pass front. So they would allow uh, the boarding passes to be accessed of all Star Alliance carriers to be accessed on its app. I think here to what Anne was mentioning is lesser apps. I think alliances could play a key role there to bringing value for the traveler. And then I think American and Alaska has taken the right step in this direction.
0: 100%. Absolutely. So those were the stories of my list. I have, again, something extra that I want to add. I'm on a roll today, I think, guys. So let me just do it and get that and done with my trivia of the week, which was about why will you be hearing the phrase cruising on board with Emirates quite a lot soon? So I'm sure by now, I you figured it out, right?
2: Actually, I uh, knew about this when I saw your post, so I did not have to Google it right. and try to win this uh, through, uh, through that process. I think uh, you're talking about Penelope Cruz becoming the new spokesperson.
0: That's right. For, um, for Emirates. Um, we don't know what they've paid her for it, but uh, she's going to be featured quite a lot. And yeah, that's what they've been calling Cruising on Board of Emirates is going to become quite uh, quite a talk. So, Anne, I see you applaud that. Are you a fan of Penelope?
1: yeah I used to live in Spain and with yeah I think she's mm. a brilliant actress. I'm you, not so sure that I' am a fan of of all this sort of influencer stuff
0: in I, general.
1: Can I suggest how
0: how Emirates could make you their number one fan and they could have yes, used stormy Daniels in this promotion, right. <laughs>
1: Yes, then I would have been an inter- eternal. Uh, do you know that she was in London, Stormy? Oh, actually, she, she was there last week, oh. and she was uh, she was a speaker at the. Uh, there was an LGBTQ um, event in, in in London, really big one, and she was a speaker there, and it was absolutely mm. brilliant. Ah. Uh, listened to some of it. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, would a, a Emirates, yeah. Cool. I would have been a forever fan with yeah.
0: I would have been. So, and whilst you're speaking, those were the stories on my list. Did you have any extra stories from your side?
1: Only one post that really caught my attention on LinkedIn, and that was a a post by Tom Mills. Uh, Do follow him. I loved it because it was... The title of was it was not responding to RFPs is ridiculously powerful. And it was, um, it was a very, very interesting post. I've been thinking a lot about all the time spent on, on RFPs and, you know, the, Four thousand requirements, and by the time you finally get through either writing or responding to the four thousand requirements, two thousand of them are obsolete. I'm exaggerating slightly. It's it's just such a sad loss of time and and money. So it was an excellent post. Do read that one, Tom Mills, and follow yeah. him.
0: no, I saw that as well. That's M I double L S Tom Mills, and I, I saw it, yes. I, I saw it because you commented on it, and I have to agree that is a very powerful
4: um, thing. So yeah.
0: Nice one. Um, any others from yours, uh, your side, Mahid?
4: Uh, speaking of long holiday, I think yes. Uh, I have one story where uh, you know the Thai uh, Tourism Board has suggested that between January and mid-May, a million Chinese travelers have already visited them. So I think travel is back in Asia and it's growing.
0: Wow, that's an astonishing number. Absolutely. For those in the audience, thank you so much for joining us. This was uh, our show today. It's a bit shorter than usual, but it is the holiday. But again, for giving us your time during the holidays, I sincerely appreciate it. And Ash Mohit, thank you so much for your
1: time. Yes, thank you so much, everybody. And a special thanks to, to Carolyn. Just such a great job with that post. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you, Carolyn, for being here today. And thank you all for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call every week on Monday, and it is all about linking the travel industry. Please do share this event with everybody that you know. And if you enjoyed today's session, chances are high that others that you know will as well. And if you cannot make it ever because of time zone or availability, this session will be available as a podcast on Business Travel 360. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off.